Monday. <laughs> it's Monday. Thank y'all so much for tearing with me on this Monday. We are talking congestive heart failure today. Woo, we back in. All right, we talking congestive heart failure today. Plus we have Monday motivation, how to pass NCLEX. All right, so that's cool. Um, It is, wait, they're saying there's an echo. Is there still an echo? Or can y'all hear me okay? Let me know, thumbs up. I wanna get this Monday started. This is like the, the craziest Monday for us. But so we're good, we're good, right? Not anymore, no echo, no echo, we're good. We're good. All right, let's roll into it. Here we go. Congestive heart failure. I already talked to you about that, but I do have to recognize that it is MLK Day, Martin Luther King Day. And, um, you know, his story has been such inspiration to me growing up. We learn about it in school. I was able to take my kids to the uh, memorial set up to him in Atlanta. Shout out to Atlanta for building this wonderful Martin Luther King library, everything like that. So I took the babies there last year um, and they learned a lot about it. So we're recognizing that none of us are here because really of our own uh, our own works. We're not here because we're just so smart and we're just so talented and we're just so deserving. No, many, many people have uh, marched, advocated, protested, dare I even say died for you to have this opportunity in the healthcare profession, in nursing, in an educator role. So we definitely want to pause and acknowledge that um, that amazing, amazing contribution by Reverend Martin Luther King. So happy Martin Luther King Day. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Yes, this is the number one nursing community on the planet. And we're all here. And we do amazing fun things. If it's your first time joining us, we have so many amazing family events. They cannot be replicated. So you guys know for next month, which is literally just in a couple weeks, it's amazing how fast 2023 is flying by. We have Love Your Content. Now, this will be another uh, challenging NCLEX review that I'll be doing with you guys for February uh, the 15th and the 16th, all right? Uh, and so this will be starting at 8 p.m., all right? And to sign up for this review so you get the workbook, go to remarnurse.com forward slash love, L-O-V-E. And we have about, I don't know, 2,000 or so nursing students who signed up for it. But I am in the process of really creating this simulation for you guys, similar to seven days of NCLEX, where every day we did a patient simulation. But it's going to be, it's going to be extremely, extremely beneficial for those of you who are taking NCLEX in February or March. And definitely, if pregnancy is your weak area, we are hitting pregnancy. Yes. And so this is a free event. Again, this is a free event. So if you don't have Valentine's Day plans, plan it with your nursing license to study for that. So go to remarnurse.com to sign up forward slash love. All right. All right. The 30 day NCLEX challenge again is something that the community is in the process of doing. We are uploading those videos to V2 every single study day. So Monday through Friday, you do have an NCLEX 30-day challenge video to watch. Make sure that you are doing it. But for today, our topic is congestive heart failure. Congestive heart failure. So let's go over the principles and components of CHF. 
This is something that I do cover in V2, but I want to take the time for those of you who are just watching the community and maybe getting to know me to understand the teaching style and the important points of congestive heart failure for your NCLEX. So we're going to dive deeper into CHF right now. You guys ready to get out your notebooks? If you have the V2 workbook, you can also fill in some things that I may be adding for this presentation, but it's Monday. You definitely need to study anyways. So let's just do congestive heart failure right now. Okay. All right. So introduction, when we talk about congestive heart failure, we are understanding that this is a clinical condition that is either caused by a structural or um, functional defect in the heart. So heart failure is caused by a variety of conditions. You know, mostly though, when I teach you guys, it is essentially a, a problem with fluid overload, all right? But we can also include diseases, pericardial, things around the heart or actually the heart. But in the end for NCLEX, it is very critical to examine how heart failure is classified since the pathophysiology of it, okay, and the etiology are both critical to appropriate therapy. So we need to know about heart failure because how you treat it, how you look at it, what you're looking for is going to be different depending on the type of heart failure that your patient has. So not only is it heart failure, but then it's a subset of, okay, is it left-sided or is it right-sided, okay? That's the, that's the thing. So the classification, uh, the, the beginning is acute versus chronic, right? Acute versus chronic. So here it is. We're talking about is this heart failure going to be of a sudden onset where there's sudden appearance of symptoms, usually over a few hours or days? Did you guys know you can have acute congestive heart failure symptoms, all right? And so this is to a point where, hey, the person's life is at immediate danger or they need an immediate intervention in order to uh, save their life. Chronic symptoms are more so where the client is on a daily basis living with this uh, compromise. So over years, okay? Chronic failure, it will not, it's not something that's going to disappear or get better with time. People are going to get worse. Their body's going to have to start compensating. And like other chronic conditions, at some point, that compensation is going to fail and the person will need to have, a person will need to have life-saving treatments. So when we talk about now, left-sided or right-sided congestive heart failure, we need to look at, all right, we need to look at now where the dysfunction is happening. So left-sided heart failure, uh, we know that when we talk about the left side, we are actually referring to a failure in the left ventricle, okay? So we're talking about a failure to the left ventricle, which makes sense. We're keeping it consistent. And it is a is an issue with the left ventricle either filling or emptying properly. We talk about blood flowing through the ventricles. That ventricle has to be filled 
and then it has to empty in order for tissue perfusion to happen, all right? And so when these things don't happen right, the filling or the emptying, this leads to an increased pressure, all right, inside of the ventricles, which also is going to create what? What did we learn in, in, in anatomy class and in physiology class? If you have an improper or if the ventricles are not emptying, then you're going to have an issue with pulmonary congestion. You're going to have an issue with pulmonary congestion. So we look at, all right, pulmonary congestion with left-sided heart failure. We know it could be a systolic, all right? It could be a systolic problem or a diastolic problem. And so at the end of the day, though, pulmonary congestion is what we're going to have. So I want you to focus on that aspect with left-sided heart failure. You don't have to, um, you don't have to know the intri intricate parts of systolic dysfunction, uh, reduced ventricular function. Sometimes I see NCLEX reviews going into um, reduced ventricular um, dysfunction or diastolic dysfunction. But new nurses, we, we don't we don't get that level of training. So essentially, the pulmonary congestion is where we are stopping at for left-sided heart failure. And then with right-sided heart failure, this refers to the right ventricle not pumping adequately. So it's a failure of that right ventricle not pumping adequately. And so most of the right-sided heart failure essentially begins on the left side where, you know, the, the right side for as long as it possibly can be, it will function normally. But after pulmonary congestion is present for so long, then you're going to have issues with the heart being able to pump, 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 pump um, appropriately. So I hope that makes sense. In the interim, you do have these subsets of congestive heart failure. You can have acute or you can have chronic, right? Acute or chronic. And we know those terms clinically. And so now it's just a matter of, okay, let's talk about the left-sided versus the right-sided congestive heart failure. So with left side, you're going to have a lot of pulmonary, right? Pulmonary congestion. So you're going to have a lot of fluid that stays up and about this area or the right side because there's pulmonary congestion, there's a backflow of circulation, there's a backflow of blood. So you're going to see congestion in the periphery, which is the arms and legs and things like that. Okay, so let's go on to the next thing that I want to talk about, which are the some of the causes of why a patient would have congestive heart failure, some of the causes. So Essentially, we talked about it, some uh, impaired cardiac function. So you can have myocardial disease. You can have valvular heart diseases, all right, where the valves are not working properly, a congenital heart defect, okay? Sometimes patients are born with constrictive or restrictive problems, all right? And then you can also have issues with um, excessive work demand. So essentially hypertension, pulmonary hypertension, systemic hypertension, um, and increased pressure work or perfusion work. If you think about what would be causing, um, if you think about what would be causing an increased pressure work, 
What are some things that might be causing your heart to work more? Um, one thing I can think of is you may have problems with anemia. You may have problems with anemia. And so that may cause your heart to work, right? Um, and so these are also causes of congestive heart failure. You may think like, hey, how do I get into a situation or how does my patient get into a situation? It's sometimes it's a mechanical issue with the heart, mechanical or structural fluid volume excess. Yes, stress on a, on a certain amount of time. All right, perfect. Now let's go to the risk factors. What would put somebody at risk for uh, congestive heart failure? And this is like every Monday when we come on here and we talk about these diseases, you know, what is the number one thing we've been talking about specifically with cancer, right? And the first thing that we see here again is smoking. Yes. All right. Smoking. So smoking, there's a direct cause between smoking and heart failure, just like uh, alcohol. All right. And so there's definitely a doubt when you have, when you smoke cigarettes, that's going to cause arterial sclerosis. That's going to put your body in stress. That is going to definitely, definitely cause you to have problems with improving your systemic vascular responses. Hypertension, a well, we know high blood pressure is probably the, I think it's the second most common cause of heart failure. So it is definitely something that puts you at risk for other things. This is a silent killer. Obesity, well, that kind of makes sense because when you have obesity, then you're probably going to have issues with hypertension, all right, which can cause you to have heart failure. Also diabetes as well. When you have a lot of sugar in your body, that tends to eat up your vessels. That tends to cause you to have other issues. Um, alcohol, we mentioned before, alcoholic cardiomyopathy is a real thing. Uh, so that can be leading to congestive heart failure. Diabetes, particularly diabetes mellitus, can also cause you to have a problem with cardiomyopathy or vascular issues. And then infections. Sometimes heart failures is caused by infections of the heart. So infections and inflammations of the heart can irritate the lining, causing an endocarditis or myocarditis or a pericarditis, okay? And so that is one of the reasons. So when we talk about the reasons why we know the causes of it, let's look again a little bit more in detail for the clinical manifestations and how this congestive heart failure presents itself. And I think this may be one of the most important parts of the lecture, making sure that you understand the signs and symptoms because the signs and symptoms will tell you which type of congestive heart failure you are dealing with. So let's look at the um, clinical manifestations of it. Okay, so clinical manifestations. Now, breathlessness. Now we're gonna look at some signs of heart failure in general, and then we're gonna go more into detail about either whether it's left-sided or right-sided. Now, these are not things that are all in the V2, so you might wanna be adding some of these extra things to this lecture, which is why I'm glad we have a combination of V2 and our Monday and Wednesday study sessions, because I get to go more in detail with you guys here. All right, so oh, let me go back. Clinical manifestations. So here we go. We have shortness of breath. 
So in general, when you have when you have issues with your heart, then you are going to experience classic signs of shortness of breath. And this can be whether you have acute or chronic uh, congestive heart failure. So clients may experience this breathlessness, especially with um, rest or even with activity. Okay. And so it is possible that you will have this. The paroxysmal nocturnal dyspnea means at night, okay? At night, you are able to experience this even at a greater level, right? At night, you're having this at a great greater level. Orthopnea means that you become this breathless uh, individual when you lie flat, and so one of the best questions you can ask is how many what? How many pillows do you sleep with at night? Because if a patient says, well, I sleep, I don't sleep in a bed at all, actually. I sleep in a chair. I've been sleeping in a chair for the last six years. Well, you know that this person more than likely has congestive heart failure. Or if somebody says, I sleep with five pillows or I sleep with four pillows, then you know that this person has congestive heart failure. Because at nighttime, most people, especially like myself, I hate pillows. I hate sleeping with them. I don't like to be propped up at night. So when somebody says that they have to sleep upright, that's a sign, right? So breathlessness. Um, and, and, and most of these things with congestive heart failure, you guys know it's an it's issue with fluid, right? It's an issue with their fluid. So we are looking at, okay, things that are going to cause a person to have either a fluid overload and sometimes restrictiveness can happen too if your, uh, if your vascular system is inflamed from like an infection, right? And so everything is inflamed and constricted, which is why smoking and alcohol don't help. Sometimes your patient will complain of wheezingness. They'll, they'll have, that's not a word, wheezingness. They'll complain of wheezing. That's the one I was looking for. <laughs> All right. Wheezing um, because of the inflammation. And so everything is constricted and tight. We also will have a cough. A person may begin to cough because they have this uh, fluid that they are not able to get rid of this pulmonary congestion that manifests itself as a cough. So you see when we're talking about left side, I teach in the V2, left side, think lungs, left side, think lungs. Okay. Um, patients may cough up that frothy pink sputum. Um, and this is the hemophysis that you have when you are um, just as, essentially, you know, your your lining is irritated because you're constantly coughing. You have fluid that's trying to come out and your body is trying to push it out of you and it's, it's not coming out. You're tired. All right. You're tired. Uh, you have fatigue, poor activity tolerance. We call it exertional dyspnea or exertional fatigue. And this can be very debilitating in patients where they can't do anything. They can't get out of bed. They can't make up their bed. Uh, when they do get up, they can't cook themselves breakfast. So you just have a poor activity tolerance, poor activity tolerance. And there's one thing on here that I didn't mention, but it's very much associated with 
the congestive heart failure. It's a mental thing. It's anxiety. A lot of patients will have anxiety when they begin to have the feeling of breathlessness, the feeling of uh, the frothy pink sputum that's coming up. If they're swelling, the fluid retention in their ankles, right? These things also lead to anxiety. So congestive heart failure, you're going to be exhibiting these general symptoms. Now, when we talk about the other symptoms, I'm just going to keep on going. All right, here we go. Because there's many. So you're also going to have the, the structural, the structural signs of congestive heart failure. These are assessments uh, more so for the RNs, I think. But I, I, I never, I never want PNs to feel like there's certain parts of information about anatomy and physiology you opt out of because you really don't even though you're not practicing them in clinical you still need to be able to understand them in theory so if we mention a part of the body that a nurse is assessing even though you might not be assessing it in real time you still should know that part of the body so when you're in v2 and you're in the practical nurse um you know you're in the practical nurse course there are going to be some things that I tell you that you probably didn't learn in nursing school. You, you should have. You should have. So take everything in as a learning opportunity and understand that it's beneficial for your actual practice in clinicals, okay? And in, in a clinical setting after, after you pass NCLEX. So when we talk about... Um, when we talk about the clinical manifestations, there are certain changes that happen. And these findings are really uh, the apex beat, the thrills, the heaves, and the thrusts. So when we talk about the apex beat, it's just, you'll you'll hear it, the heartbeat where the, the, the chest is palpated, right? And so sometimes the apex beat will be displaced in heart failure. And it's more, more than likely going to be because, right, the heart has had to compensate, the heart has had to increase in size. And so, you know, even with heart failure, sometimes you can't even palpate the apex beat because of the dysfunction of the heart. So even in listening to the heart, you're going to have that third heart sound that the, um, that you're not supposed to have, right? A heave is felt, sometimes it's seen where you'll be able to uh, be able to auscultate or even, like I said, feel it where your heart has increased so much, the patient has hypertrophy so much that you can feel a, a thrust or a heave because of that. And so these are all things that the heart tries to do in order to compensate for the pulmonary congestion or the improper filling or emptying situation, okay? So the third heart sound is just abnormal. Typically, you're not supposed to hear a third heart sound. It's a, a S3, a S3. So I want you guys to come to class on Mondays, understanding that sometimes we have it light and it's just like questions and fun things. And other times, it is a lot of review it's a lot of note taking, but that's all part of the process. That's all part of the process. Okay. 
All right. Um, so these are anatomy anatomical conditions. Now we also have, um, oh, let me go back really quick. The systemic signs, I feel like I've already educated on this, but we have anemia, cyanosis, finger clubbing, and GI distress or GI symptoms. Left-sided heart failure. So when we're talking about the pulmonary symptoms, they're going to come with evaluating your patient for fatigue, mood swings as well, um, palpitations, all right, and diaphoresis, abnormal heart rhythms. You're going to see that as part of the beginning parts. Because remember, I said that when we talk about left-sided heart failure, it usually starts on the left side. So it's usually the heart is the heart is the situation. The heart is the cause of it. And everything stays around the heart, all right, in terms of our, our, our difficulties. Patient may have cardiomegaly, tachycardia, and reduced pulse pressure. So add these to the V2, okay? Add these to the V2 because there's a big point here that I want to make sure you guys are getting. Now, right-sided, right-sided, um, you're going to focus more on the um, PEs, right? So you're going to have a PE uh, with the pulmonary embolism. It'll be traveling. Uh, you'll also see fluid overload, but it's more so going to be on the systemic response. So you're going to have systemic congestion, the cirrhosis, uh, fluid overload, peripheral edema, pitting in the feet, the legs, the scrotum, the back, um, ascites you're going to have uh, nausea due to congestion in the in the even in the intestines they will begin to hold water your liver your weight gain uh what else hepatomegaly you'll have tenderness in the upper right quadrants and so i'm i'm saying add these things to your v2 workbook add these things these notes that you're seeing here the things that i'm saying that's what i mean okay so the swelling that you'll have cool Diagnostic tests that will show your congestive heart failure. You will have the ability to do an echocardiogram. That's going to show the probably right ventricular hypertrophy, the enlargement of the heart. You could do blood workups. Um, the one I mentioned in V2 is the ProBNP. That is probably the most important, important one. But also you can add this to your notes. You can do CBC calcium, magnesium, okay, the electrolytes, you know, if you have your, um, you know, if you have fluid overload, what is that going to do to your sodium level, right? You'll be able to see those things, those changes. Liver function tests will show you if your fluid, uh, your the fluid is overtaking your liver, decompensating, fasting blood, glucose levels. These will, these are things that will you're also investigating to make sure that they're not other conditions. So for next-gen NCLEX in particularly, next-gen NCLEX in particularly, you're going to have to be able to do a different differential diagnosis. Okay. Okay. And so that means that is this congestive heart failure in a result of underlying diabetes mellitus, right? Is that, that, is that what could be causing this? Or is the, you know, is the BUN and creatinine associated with 
congestive heart failure or is it the cause of it? Hyponatremia generally will tell us. And so you have to be able to understand these laboratory values on a different level. Next generation NCLEX is not going to be asking you about the numbers for BUN and creatinine. They're going to give them to you. But your patient with congestive heart failure may come in and then you have to make a connection between uh, their, their high creatinine level to congestive heart failure. Okay. All right. Um, here we go. Thyroid function test. Sometimes hyperthyroidism or um, hypothyroidism can precipitate heart failure. Heart failure. So how these things all work together. Echocardi uh, echocardiography. This is uh, done as a um, exploratory measure in the heart. So we are looking at the ventricular size and function that could be done during echocardiography. Exercise testing. If you are familiar with this exercise stress test, we can look at the capacity of the heart and the efficiency of it with activities. So that's stress testing, exercise stress testing. It's kind of the same thing. Coronary arteriography. This is going to be looking at the, uh, the vascular system of the heart. If maybe ischemia can be contributing to heart failure. We know the MRI is used to also look at the structural function of the heart. So we can look at whether we are dealing with a hypertrophy issue. If we're looking at um, maybe even a myocarditis, the inflammation of the heart. Sometimes myo, um, cardiomyopathies can be seen on an MRI. So this is just investigating investigating the structural function of the heart and what it looks like. And then endocardial biopsies, sometimes they're used to, I don't know if these are done all that much, but you know, when we take a biopsy, we're actually looking at a sample of tissues, all right, in the heart. Perfect. All right, let's go. So of course, there's always two ways to treat something. We could do, well, we could do medicines or we cannot do medicines. And so if we're talking about our non-pharmacological way to treat something, we're going to be doing some education. And so clients need to have the condition make sense to them in a, in a not so technical way, right? So need to be able to understand it. A lot of people are not able to make great choices because they don't have the information. So self-management about their condition is very important for NCLEX. They need to know how to be able to uh, monitor their condition, detect the early signs of fluid retention, particularly, and, um, and when to notify or just go to the hospital. Information, when, when it comes to having heart failure and living with it, you need to know about, uh, you know, the things you need to work about when you travel, when you are driving, in terms of having sexual relationships, that's huge, especially if you're taking medication. We know for NCLEX that if you're taking a medication such as a nitroglycerin, you know that there are certain sexual dysfunction medications that you cannot take with nitroglycerin. If you know the medication, put it in the chat right now. Um, immunizations, welfare rights and support groups, and then also the lifestyle. What is the exercise you know, can patients with 
congestive heart failure exercise or do they need to avoid exercising? And so we need to tell them that, hey, exercise can be used to improve their symptoms and their prognosis. But a lot of people with congestive heart failure feel like, oh, I don't want to overwork my heart. Uh, The diet, we know the low sodium diet is going to be very important to this client. They also will need to have what kind of restrictions? Fluid restrictions. Yes. No smoking and no alcohol. Sleeping as well, making sure that they are able to sleep comfortably because if you're not sleeping, that is going to add the last thing, which is stress to your life. The medications, the nursing role here, this is our wheelhouse because we are going to be in an inpatient setting. We are going to be administering many types of medications. And so knowing how diuretics help your patient We look at the different types of diuretics, okay? And here we're looking at loop diuretics that are used to remove the the underlying issue where it's like remove excess fluid, reduce cardiac pressures. ACE inhibitors. ACE inhibitors are going to be great because at the end of the day, they are also going to help promote the excretion of fluid. And we we need to be able to understand how ACE inhibitors work. Beta blockers as well. We know them, we love them. I think beta blockers are probably the most recognizable uh, pharmacology uh, treatment plan for nursing students because we know what they end with, but they do help. They help improve the functionality of the heart, the functionality of the heart. And then also you have aldosterone antagonists, and these are diuretics too. And so they're going to help with the reduction of sodium and water or fluid retention. So you have to use um, you have to use these together. There's also other classes of medications. Uh, you have the lorsartan. You have your nitrates. Okay, and inotropes. And so many different things are going to help the person with congestive heart failure. We expect them to be on several medications. And so that's why this is a huge issue that we want to reduce. We we want to educate them and reduce them on. So you have the angiotensin II receptor blockers, okay? And so they're going to... uh, reduce the the vasoconstrictive action of angiotensin 2. All right, so they're angiotensin 2 receptor blockers. They're going to compete so that that vasoconstriction does not happen. And with a more vasodilated approach, you can get rid of sodium and water. Nitrates, azorcibide mononitrate, azorcibide dinitrate. Again, they're going to vasodilate. Um, inotropes, digoxin, dopamine, dibutamine. They're going to help the heart forcefully contract. Yes. We got one more slide before we go to our questions. And these are our invasive measures. And this is where we're actually doing surgery on our patient. And so this is the surgical management of a patient with congestive heart failure. You can just go straight to the cardiac transplant. And patients with severe heart failure 
this may be the best method for them. Cardiac uh, revascularization. If a person who is having um, issues with ischemia or they cannot vasodilate the person enough for uh, proper care, then we need to figure out if we can switch out some vessels in the heart. Cardiac valve surgery. We talked about the filling, the emptying of the valve. If it's not done properly, it can lead to congestive heart failure. Left ventricular reduction is kind of like what it sounds for clients who have heart failure based on a dilated or exacerbated left ventricle. You, you want to try to make it into a right size. And the devices are pacemakers. Pacemakers can work with creating a better synchronicity, synchronicity of beats. All right. Internal cardiac defibrillators help patients who may be having some arrhythmia, some life-threatening arrhythmias. Um, the balloons are used to, uh, sometimes they're used to increase the force of the heart, but these are really temporary measures. And so if a person is uh, in, in process of getting a, a cardiac balloon, you know it's just to buy them more time, okay? To buy them more time. All right, now let us go to this, which is our NCLEX questions. Okay, are you guys ready? We're going to dive into it and we're going to see. We have 442 people watching on YouTube. So this is amazing. This is amazing, guys. I don't know. I'm always amazed on Mondays how many people come to our study sessions. So you know how we do how to pass NCLEX? We answer questions. And then if we get a certain number of likes, we get a, a bonus question. So YouTube, you are holding it down. Hi, everybody. I know I got Boston in the house. Take a second. Let me know where you're from. Just put your state on here. I know I have Nigeria here. Boston is in the house. And so we have 440. 42 people watching. I'm going to challenge you guys. We have 57 likes. If we could get to 300 likes on, I'm challenging you nurses from all over the world. You guys get to 300 likes, Florida, Virginia, put where you're from and then put the likes, Chicago. Okay. <laughs> all right. Here we go. I don't want you guys to be late. Don't get fired. So try to get to 300 likes for our, to unlock our bonus questions. And I'm going to shout out the states that I see. Texas, North Carolina. Amazing. Rhode Island. Hawaii. Yes. Okay. Here's our first question. It's this. A nurse is caring for a client with congestive heart failure and reports weakness and shortness of breath. This is a left-sided heart failure as evidenced by, all right, which one are we talking about? We talking about, is it left-sided heart failure because of number one, fatigue, dyspnea, and wheezing? Two, peripheral edema. Three, decreased pulmonary artery pressure. Or four, hepatomegaly and oliguria. VMAR nurses, what saith you? Shout out to China in the house today. Canada, my neighbor. All right. Wow, we already got 132 likes. We're going to 300 today. 
Here we go. Correct answer is, you guys got it. Number one, fatigue, dyspnea, and wheezing. In left-sided heart failure, congestion mainly occurs in the lungs. So this is all because of that inadequate ejection of the blood. So the systemic system backs up. Uh, everything else was more right-sided. So dyspnea, sneezing, coughing, rails, fatigue are common symptoms. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Question number two. A client with a right-sided heart failure is being monitored for disease progression. Mm. The nurse anticipates that the condition has worsened as evidenced by, number one, clear lung sounds, two, weight loss, three, anorexia, four, pitting edema of the sacral area. Wow, Ghana. Welcome. Shout out to Ghana. We're talking about right-sided heart failure. How you know when it's getting worse? You are speaking my language. My people have showed up. I couldn't ask just anybody about right-sided heart failure. And most people would not know that the correct answer is indeed number four, pitting edema of the sacral area. So right-sided heart failure manifests systemic rather than respiratory symptoms. So systemic symptoms rather than respiratory symptoms. And so those symptoms include weight gain and edema, the dependent parts of the body. Although anorexia may be a symptom, but it's not as significant to sacral edema. So most of you guys got that. All right. Look, I'm so, look, I'm so, okay, we got up to 161 likes already. So you guys are doing good. We got two more questions. Shout out to London. The best fish and chips I ever had was in London, England. So good. I don't know if you guys had them before. Amazing. Just go to London. Go to London right now. All right. Question number three is this. A client was recently diagnosed with heart failure and was prescribed diuretics. The nurse knows that a diuretic is given for the reason that, number one, it reduces arrhythmias, two, increases cardiac workload, three, reduces excess fluid, or four, increases heart contractions. All my nursing students, this is for you. Did you learn this in fundamentals yet? Why are we giving diuretics for congestive heart failure? Okay, why are we giving diuretics for congestive heart failure? All right. Oh, you guys got it today. <laughs> you guys got it. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, some people didn't get it. Let me see. What was four? Increased heart contractions? No, no. Okay, so everybody should uh, have reviewed this. Diuretics are for congestive heart failure. The main problem is, all right, to remove excess fluid or prevent fluid building up, okay? That's the reason why. That's the reason why. Question number four. Mm, here we go. Pharmacology. The nurse noted that the client with heart failure has been having arrhythmias. Which of the following medications the nurse is expected to administer? This is pharmacology. Spironolactone. Two, is it the enelopril? 
three, carvitolol, or four, lorsartan. Mm-hmm. What do you guys say? Come on in, come on in, and put your answers down. Ah, we got different answers on this one. Okay, great. And that's the thing. We're all coming here to learn. We're all coming here to learn and just do our best, all right? All right, correct answer is going to be number three. Yeah, carvitolol. So this is a beta blocker. And one of the things that beta blockers can do is going to be to regulate the heart. So they're going to be able to not only increase, we talk about them making the heart pump more forcefully, but did you know that they also can reduce arrhythmias, right? And improve the shape of the heart over time. So this is um, one of the other functions of the beta blockers. Ah, oh, and I wish, I wish, I wish we actually we didn't make it to the 300 likes. We only stopped at 181. So we won't be able to do our challenge question for this week. And that's all right. Like part of it is getting everybody to participate and just making sure that the community is giving and taking and we're all doing the same thing. So next week on Monday, when we come back, we will have another amazing topic to discuss. Hopefully we'll have a little bit less technical difficulties. We still have our 30-day challenge on. So if you're in the V2, you will be able to see, you will be able to see the 30-day challenge videos in there for you. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. I'm getting messages. Did you get four out of four though? That's right. All right. Um, we have, what? We got, we got up to 200 likes. Yeah, but I said 300 though. I said 300. We could have did 300. We could have did 300 because there's 500 people watching. But four out of four, that's good for you guys. All right. Um, also, as you're watching, make sure you subscribe to the channel. I don't think I say that enough. Subscribe to the YouTube channel so that when I go live, you guys always know what time I'm going live, when I'm going live, and the next event that we have coming up. Our motivation for today. Our motivation for today is this. If there's a will, there's a way. Yes, we started this day talking about Martin Luther King Day and how significant it is to honor your past. And you see Martin Luther King and his beautiful wife in the background. And it's like, you have to be able to remember where you come from. You have to be able to remember where you come from because if you're not thinking about your past, then you kind of will forget to walk in all those blessings that you have. And so if there's a will, there's a way. This is what Martin Luther King said. And this will be pivotal to one person in here, maybe more. But if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you cannot walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. You have to keep moving forward. Being able to just stop and stay still in a comfort zone is not going to cut it in your life. You're not going to be able to have 
all of your blessings if you're standing still in the same place. You cannot get to the next level by standing still. And some people, they're not where they're supposed to be because their reality is based off of what they consistently do, what you're consistently doing. So your repetition equals reality. That's why I encourage you guys to come here and study on Mondays and Wednesdays and and just get in V2 and work it, work the calendar because repetition equals reality. But if you're choosing to stay still every day, not do anything, complain about what you don't have, complain about what other people are not doing for you, then guess what's going to be your reality? Nothing, nothing, exactly where you are. So with Martin Luther King and all that he has accomplished, people are still recognizing him for things he did decades ago. And that just speaks to how, honestly, if you focus for a little time, if you focus, settle yourself down and focus on this task for just a short amount of time, decades later, you're still going to be reaping the benefits of that work. That's how it is with a nursing license, okay? You still are going to be able to reap the fruits of your nursing license, of your NCLEX studying years later. Uh, somebody got to catch this, okay? Um, so here we go. Like this is, when you fail, and this is for my repeat test takers, when you fail, you should keep in mind that it is not the end for you, okay? Because life has to be, a balance of good and bad things. All right. And now I'm I'm definitely one for all the good, but I know that's not realistic. All right. Bad things are going to happen, but we got to keep in mind that like this, hey, bad things happen. You got to keep going. Plan A didn't work. So yeah, you thought you were going to pass NCLEX on your first try, but you didn't. So what's plan B? Are you just going to stand on plan A? Because plan A ain't working. So now you got to do something else. You got to try another way. Plan B, plan C, plan D. You got 25, 20, 25 more letters after that. All right. You will, you will fail. You absolutely will fail. But it's not a failure if you learn something from it. Okay. It's only a failure if you let it keep you in that position forever. If you get up and try again, it's a lesson learned. Okay. Because you're going to do something differently. You're going to give yourself another opportunity. I'm trying to teach my daughter this. She's, eight years old and she is trying to come into her own. So she loves computers. So she's like, mom, can I, um, can I change the screensaver on your laptop to Mickey mouse? I'm like, no, you can't do that. You know? And then she'll come back again. Mom, can I download this video on your computer? No, Salome, you can't do that. Then she came up to me. She said, mom, can I organize all your screenshots and put them in folders for you? I'm like, yeah, you could do that. You know what I mean? And so I'm trying to teach her that sometimes you will get 10 no's before you get one yes. But if you stop on that first no, you're never going to get to your yes. Like the no's sometimes come before the yeses. So don't be afraid to get a no. Don't be afraid to take a take a failure, take a L if you're going to learn from it and you're going to try again. A lot of people don't get what they want because they don't, uh, what they say, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? And so you may ask for something one time, even God, you may ask God for something, but it's not your time. And so you have to be patient and maybe come back and ask again. And maybe it's your time, but 
in life, uh, sometimes we count, we take ourselves out the game. Okay. We take ourselves out the game. So I have something for you. If you're part of this community and you want to continue to give yourself opportunities, we got love your content coming up. Yes. We got love your content coming up. It's happening February 15th and 16th at 8 PM. It's going to be our free NCLEX review for the Valentine day um, season. I want you to love your content, love your nursing license. Hey, how about that? How about love the next level? Remarnurse.com forward slash love. Okay. And this is just like a growing season for everybody. This is absolutely a growing season. So in 2023, make it a priority to love yourself more in general and love yourself for the possibility that you have and the potential that you have. Don't waste it. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to take a couple questions right here. Congratulations. You have gotten through with me another Monday motivation how to pass NCLEX. We did it, okay? So I'm just going to stay on here and take a couple questions before I leave. Mark has a dentist appointment that he has to go to at two o'clock. And I know he's been dreading the dentist. So I'm going to go with him as moral support. But <sighs> I don't know. I just, I'm just doing, doing what I'm supposed to do. Some roads you got to walk alone and him going to this dentist is a road. He has to go in there alone. And you guys too, when you go into that NCLEX exam, you're going to have to go in there alone. I'm going to be sitting there as moral support in your mind, but you got to take that NCLEX like a man. Like Mark is going to have to take this dentist appointment like a man. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, okay. So I am, I'm, I'm answering general questions about V2. Right now, you guys got me on for just like a couple more minutes. And I want to know your questions, your comments. We've gone through the lesson. We've gone through the questions. Now, if you have something specific that I just can't answer, you will have to email support. Now, y'all know we took the weekends off. We usually take the weekends off. So today is Monday. Team Remar is going to get to y'all emails today. Trust me. That's their job. They're going to be, they, they put goals on themselves to make sure like they're doing like a hundred emails an hour okay so y'all emails will get definitely addressed okay i lucy i just want to say thank you so much oh my goodness oh man no lucy it's you for me today this comment man thank you so much all right thank you for your motivation this is definitely a season yes 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 absolutely this is it thank you sophia for signing up for love your content it's gonna be so much fun i'm working on it right now and um, I'm going to just try to come up with some crazy scenarios. I have one where um, in my mind, I'm formulating it where we're working with a pregnant client, but she's like positive for all these STDs. And so we're trying to figure out what to do with her first. Um, so that's kind of what we're doing. Rowena, thank you, Regina. Oh, man. It's cool. You guys are the best today. Oh, seriously. Um, okay. Okay. Anna, here we go. We're into questions now. I received my quick facts book. Would I receive a copy of hard copy of the workbook? So no, not in V2. I'm glad you got your quick facts book. Your workbook is actually in your file vault. It's a downloadable book. Okay. Okay. Um, so I just renewed my VT on the 6th of the month of this month. And the other day you said to get out of the VT and switch to the V2. Should I just finish the VT to the end of the month or purchase the V2 next month? Hmm. Okay, so I said that, Dana, if you are testing later on, like if you're testing like February-ish, March, 
if your test date is in like the next 10, 15 days or maybe at the end of the month, just stay in VT. Just stay in VT. But if you're preparing for like a later, like that's what my whole thing. If you're preparing for a later NCLEX, get into V2 because it's a better review and the value is, is better, right? Um, you get your question bank there. You, you get to challenge yourself a little bit more with V2. So it's up to you. Another thing too is that the pricing will change again on V2. So take advantage of the sale, the discount that we have it for right now too. All right. But again, that's only if your NCLEX is a little bit further out. If you're in the mode and you're studying and VT is consistent and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, then stay in VT. If not, get in V2. Okay. All right. Um, can someone use the current quick facts to prepare for the NGN? Um, well, you can. I am going to release a new version of quick facts later on closer to NGN. But if you're taking the current, if you if you already have QuickFacts, study it, study it, because really my content is not going to change for the QuickFacts. Everything that's in the current Quick QuickFacts, I will be keeping. Only thing I might take out is the clinical skills, and I'm going to um, probably redo the pharmacology section. I always wanted to change the look of the pharmacology section in QuickFacts, but it was working so well that I didn't. So my next version of quick facts, I think the pharmacology section will be looking different. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Uh, yes, NCLEX is changing in no on in April first, twenty twenty three. NCLEX is changing April first, twenty twenty three. All right. Crazy to have selected Raylan Flex, you and God will be with me on writing it. Yeah, I don't know, Sophia. You want to do it on Valentine's Day? That's really loving your content, Ben. You're really loving your content. But that will be a great um, gift to give yourself on Valentine's Day to be able to take the test and get it out the way. Yeah. Okay. Love yourself more. That was our message yesterday. Wonderful motivation. Was that your message in church? That's, that's awesome if it was. Sophia, your voice and wisdom will walk. Yes, it will. You can, you will, you must. All right. Um, watching from Texas, you signed up for love. Yeah, sign up for love your content, please, because it's going to be a really great review. Again, take a second and just, even if you just put it down for later, just open up a new tab and do remarnurse.com forward slash love. Okay, remarnurse.com forward slash love. All right. Um, still waiting for my quick facts book. Okay. Um, okay. So Regina, I cannot pass the first final exam. I got a 65 and still don't pass. I think the, um, I think the passing standard for the final, final exam is not 65. I think it's, I think it's higher than that. Is that what it said? Let me know. Okay. Um, put it in the comments because we do have people in there. I was in there on the comments for what was that? Comes. I was responding to somebody with congest on the congestive heart failure page now. Um, so put it in the comments. Like if you feel like you don't know a certain question, I'm okay with you guys asking each other for the answers in there as long as you are attempting to do the work. But don't ask people for it, like the entire answer. But if there's one particular you're not sure with, put it in there and we'll make sure you get the answer to it. Okay. How many times can we download the book? You can download your workbook. I don't know. As long as the link is active, because I'll email you a link 
to say here, down, download your workbook, but also in the file vault, the workbook is there and you can download it however many times you want to. Okay. What else? Let's see. Let's see. Um, how can I check? Um, okay. How can I check V2 clinical exams to see rationales on questions that was incorrect? I'm not able to see what was correct or incorrect. Okay. So the V2 will not give you the answer or the rationale to a quiz until you pass it. So that's why there's only like 10 questions to a quiz. If you remember, V2 had like 20, 30 questions. So there's only 10 questions. So until you get the 65%, which is what it is for most quizzes, you won't see the answers. But once you pass the quiz, it will give you the answers to it. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, three months description is okay. Okay. So somebody says, I purchased the V2 December, but haven't opened it yet. And it's three months description. Is there any way I could start this month? So Lydia, did you, um, let me know this. Did you delay your start date or have you just not been in V2? Because if you don't delay your start date with V2, it will activate once you purchase it. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. When I when I release the new quick facts, I will let you guys know for sure. I will let you guys know. I'm going to do a whole event, but I'm looking to do it closer to um, after the winter. And listen, to email me, to email me, my email is support at remarreview.com. I am still getting people emailing our very, like our very first email address, which was like NCLEX Express um, years ago, like 10 years ago. So please make sure you're emailing the right email address. It's not Remar Review. It's, it's support at remarreview.com. Okay, support at remarreview.com. Um, if you have any, uh oh, I think Mark's coming. Okay, all right. Um, I'm having problems printing out. Go ahead and um, go ahead and email me, please, if you have any problems printing out the workbook, because I'll just send it to you. Okay. Um, uh, somebody says my my. What do you want me to do? Okay. All right. So, all right. So, um, my V two cannot move to the next lesson. All right, Lilane. Send an email to me, all right? Because what's happening is usually it's like a, a cookies thing with V2. And we've literally had students sit down with Team Remar and they walk them through, they log into their account. If you guys give us permission, we will be able to impersonate you and log into your account. But Team Remar, we can't, um, we really can't go into you guys' account until you give us permission to do that. So I know we have literally had students where we like Team Remar calls them up. We, we, we like walk you through your entire thing. So we're taking the time out. We understand V2 is a new technology. Even for us, it's like we are amazed, amazed that this, this platform but we also know that you're like, hey, I can't do this or I need to know how to do this or explain to me this. So Team Remar, I'm telling you guys, if you if you email them, support at remarreview.com, they are taking your name. They are scheduling time to sit down with you. We have people meeting with our developers. Trust me, it will get handled. OK, yeah. 
Yep. Okay, what else? Um, okay. Um, came, okay. Okay, Regina, I failed my NCLEX on Friday. Came through you, came to, came to you on YouTube. Bought the RM preparation for $89, including the quick facts. I need your advice. I want to retake it before the next gen. Okay. All right. So a lot of things here. You, you fail NCLEX. That's devastating. Nobody, nobody wants that. Nobody plans for that. It's a really expensive test to take and prepare for. Um, and so I'm, so I'm sorry to read this. I think, but what we have to focus on now, because that's in the past. All right. You're now ready to give it another go. You brought a study system, you brought V2 and you want to know how to use it. You want to know what you can do. Number one, I would say this time, you are going to erase everything that you did before. We're starting all over again. This is a new experience. You're going to get a brand new test. So if you're in V2, first things you need to do is get your study calendar. Second thing you need to do is go ahead and um, get your workbook printed out because you're going to need that. Go into the, um, the training center, the V2 training center where my videos are. All right. And you're going to start from the very first one, which is pregnancy. You're going to watch that video. Okay. You're going to have your notebook out. You're going to be taking notes. You can talk to the people on the discussion board underneath it, but you don't have to. What's more important is that you every day are going by that study calendar every day. All right. You're, you're, you're doing the very best thing for yourself, which is not waiting in order to take it again, which is doing what you need to do. Okay. And so the course is just four weeks. So you can actually have, go ahead and schedule your test now. It's, it's January 16th. Schedule your test for the end of February. All right. All right, cool. When can you expect tracking information for the Quick Facts book? Um, typically we'll send, well, tracking information is, I think it's sent when the book is sent out. But if you email us, they'll tell you where it is. They'll, they'll tell you where, um, where your book is for sure. Regina, which course is best for repeat test takers? Which course would you recommend? Uh, I only have one course. That's the V2 for, in, for, for NCLEX RN or NCLEX PN. I'm only having one course. So get, get, get in V2. Regina, when will Quick Facts restock? This week, this week, we're expected to have quick facts back in stock. Okay. And I'll send out an email. If you, um, if you're in our email group, we have your email address. I'll send out an email and maybe even a text message when quick facts is in stock, which probably will put it back out of stock again. Okay. But you just got to jump on it as soon as, as soon as you get the email. That's why I tell you guys to follow me. Um, subscribe to these channels because it may just be like a pop-up, like, hey, Quick Facts is back in stock. Go get it right now. Okay. So what you guys are seeing, this is V2. Again, we're in it. It is the combination lecture that I have plus the question bank and plus next-gen items. If you are preparing to take a next-gen, if you're in nursing school or you just know that I'm going to probably end up having to take this test because my paperwork is laid or I'm an international student. This is the place to be. You need to be in V2. All right. I'm putting a, um, I'm 
putting more challenging questions in V2 as we speak. Uh, more difficult, hard. You guys know most of the questions were like a medium range. There's definitely going to be more hard level questions in V2. Um, yeah, V2 has the workbook. So this is the workbook for V2, guys. It's a downloadable printed workbook. And so when you print out the workbook, this is what you'll use to take your notes in. Okay. All right. So V2 does have a book. All right. Okay. I love it. Amazing. 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 All right. Should I purchase the Q Bank after I've completed VT in its entirety or should I purchase it now? Oof. I would. Um, so V2 comes with a question bank. But if you're in VT and you actually mean VT, I would tell you to just purchase the V2. Honestly, I would tell you to just purchase the V2 because the questions are better. OK. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's RN. Can I extend V2? You can. You can extend V2. Yeah, but you you can extend V2. If you purchase it today, you'll get two months access. You'll For $89, you'll get two months access, and then you'll be able to... Um, you'll be able to go into the, the V2 there. Okay, guys, Mark got to go to the dentist. We, we got to be there. We're supposed to be there in 10 minutes. For the person who didn't make it Friday, important tip. This comes from the Remark community. They're saying, go ahead and re-register with your nursing board and pay Pearson View. 